0: Welcome podcast listeners, Humphrey here from Lionheart Football. Today we bring you a taste for football, our series which highlights the world of football scouting and covers the individual experiences and journeys into the game of scouts, recruitment managers and directors of football. This exciting podcast allows us to really get to know the individual stories of those responsible for scouting some of this country's best young football talent. Hello, Humphrey here from Line Art Football, and today we are joined by David Langridge. David is someone I know personally having worked with him at Fulham Football Club. He first started off in a non-playing capacity at Fulham Football Club, coaching in the foundation. And from there, his hard work and efforts in terms of recruiting players into the football club has seen him progress and emerge to become the local recruitment manager at Fulham Football Club. David speaks in depth about football. He is a student of the game. He's very conscientious in his approach to youth development, and I'm looking forward to the listeners hearing a little bit more about his story. Let's lock in. Yes, David, pleasure to have you on.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Brilliant. Right, so like we do with any guest that comes on, I'll always ask you to just explain your background and how you got into football.
1: Uh, yeah, well, everything in terms of like the very start. I, was a little there, I know you.
0: I know you played a bit, so um, yeah. you could talk to us about the the glamorous career, and then no. talk nah, about how you got into the non-playing side.
1: Certainly didn't play a bit, but um, yeah, obviously as a as a kid, I was I was football, football crazy, um, obsessed with with football and and becoming a professional footballer um, as a young sort of player i was a good player um never really sort of went on to to take that step up um i, I, I had a lot of a lot of injury problems when i was when i was young and and sort of my body type was was always sort of breaking down but um i was i was almost obsessed with 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 sort of becoming a footballer and, and had such a such a sort of a passion for for football in general. Like part of me as a as a person just finds that football for me was always so thera- therapeutic. Stepping onto the football pitch and being around football, you just got got lost in the game, and you were just allowed to sort of express yourself and, and really play with freedom and, and just enjoy yourself whilst you're out there. So, and um, that was that was always something I wanted to to be. Um, as I got older, I, I sort of didn't didn't um, sort of Reached those levels and and unfortunately I sort of got a bit lost and thought right what am I going to do in my life now and and went off and and started working a variety of different roles whether they were door to door sales or different sort of customer service based roles and and part of me just thought like do you know what I stopped playing um, I really missed it and I thought yeah do you know what I'm gonna, I'm going to get in, get back into football and and I started uh, coaching at a young age I, I had a really interested in that, just doing it on the side. And and I started to really focus on that. And I just wanted to be a coach really, Um, went away, did a lot of, did my coaching badges, um, spent time working with with various grassroots football teams, doing sessions here and there, um, using football as a as a tool to, to help young people, whether that was to get them back into um, education or just keep them off the streets playing football, and try and help them into football teams. Um, then went off to university, um, did a, did a course in in football, and when I when I came back from university, I, I ended up um, working with with the Football Club and started off in the community doing, doing various bits and. And then moved into uh, development centre work. Um, and at the time, I was coaching at a development centre in Wandsworth for Fulham that, that over the years hadn't, it had some very good players come through, but it, uh, it was at a, in a sort of period of transition where um, they, they sort of weren't producing the players they had before. And I was a bit confused really because sort of, I sort of worked. Within the the local area with with young players, and I thought, well, there's there's plenty of players out there. Why why aren't they coming through? And, and at the time, I was just a coach, but I sort of said, well, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get some players in, and, and slowly started to feed players into the into the centre whilst was coaching them on the side, um, and then it just went it went from there really, and sort of my coaching career was was starting to develop and i was very keen and i started to move up within sort of my coaching role but then also my my scouting sort of side of it as well started to to grow arms and legs as well and then sort of i ended up merging the two together and ultimately ended up full-time in in scouting so yeah that that was, that's it in a nutshell really
0: um that's brilliant and what made you choose to settle with the scouting? You, you're now established
1: yeah so um, I think for me with um, with the coaching side of things like I I loved coaching and, and I still do and I, I was a very very good coach but I also um, just had a knack for, for 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 a player I don't know why I just I was able to, to spot good players and, and to bring them in um, and I think what's definitely helped my career is working as a as a coach, you—I'm um, sure it's different now—but when I started doing my coaching badges, it, it was um, you were taught to to look for errors in in a player's performance, stop it, recreate the learning picture, and sort of correct that error. Um, or you, or they do something wrong, and you pull them out and you say, um, "What do you think you could do differently next time? Do you reckon you could do this?" So. My, my eye when I was coaching was was almost trained to look at what kids couldn't do um, to try and support them to, to help them be better at, at, at other things um, but then when I was out watching football and, and scouting players to, to bring them in you're only looking at uh, kids what, what they can do um, so my, my eye was completely different with, with, with the two um, and it, it certainly helped me um help me become a better coach because I was looking more at what right, right this is what a kid can do. Um and and that's what I ultimately ended up really caring about is what right, what can he do? I, I don't really care what he can't do. Like let's let's try and make his his strengths his his super strengths and let's just try and over time those weaknesses will, will improve with with good coaching. So um I certainly think the the sort of the, the way my my eye changed certainly helped. Like I I, I ended up um, going into to scouting and just enjoying that a lot more because I was really looking at positives. Um, and also, I, I'd certainly think that the jobs that I did before were almost I was I was in a customer service based uh, roles. I was I was in sales based roles. It was it was very uh, personal, meeting new people uh, face to face. And and as a scout, you you go out and you are the very first person um someone will meet before they they go into a professional football club. So um yeah that that certainly helped and I just I just ended up in, in, in scouting really. Um, I also felt that although coaching was was very rewarding for, for me to coach at the, the very, very top level, it, it would it would be very, very challenging and, and very different um and difficult. Um, well, no, it's it's not possible i, I, I certainly saw a, a good career opportunity with uh with the skill set i had in, in in scouting and recruitment side so, um yeah moved into that thing.
0: brilliant and now that you're vastly experienced in scouting just how important would you say it is considering youth football
1: uh yeah i' I'd, 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 I'd say it's extremely important um obviously we are the the very first people that that go out and 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 watch players and, and invite them into a football club. And and although if you have the you could have the best coaches in the world, um, if you don't have good scouts and good people bringing in good players with, with a good understanding of the the local community, you're you're never going to produce good footballers. Because I, I I really believe that it's it's the players that that sort of make the team. And and if you haven't got good good recruitment there, then then you're always going to struggle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And oh, over time, what would you say are like the good habits and elements that you would say are best practice that you've developed within your own scouting that you could talk on?
1: Um, what do you mean, like my my good? good
0: yeah, habits? good habits that you've developed over time within your own practice as a, as a scout.
1: Uh, yeah. So I think. The most important thing for for a scout is, is to really be aware of their own biases and, and their sort of personal preferences, and and to really um, understand that, but to also be very open to, to other people's opinions. Um, I think in in football these days, a lot of people have their idea and ideology of how how the game should be played, and they're quite fixed with right. This is this is how things are done. Um, and this is this is how the best team play. But like like you see with with Premier League football, it, it changes every year and, and a new tactic, a new formation. So um, I think you really have to be aware of what your personal preference is, um, but also be open to to other people and, and to learn from from others and um, gain as much knowledge as, as possible. Really, um, I think I think that's key. Um, me personally, when I'd say my bias. Um, for those who aren't aware, like in in football, that you you have an unconscious bias towards um, certain players. An unconscious bias is is having um, formed an opinion of, of something unconsciously based on your life experiences. Um, and it's not just football; it's life in general. Um, and for me, as a as a as a young player, I was I was. A fullback. I was a left-footed um, player, uh, very athletic, and and I personally look for um, young players that that are able to um, coordinate their body really well um, to to change direction or, or accelerate at a, at, a, at a sort of pace where they almost glide a, across the surface. Um, I also think. Um, if I'm talking about like athletic potential, like if 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 there's really skinny players with almost no muscle on them, I think that if they're competing and and they're they're um, almost as quick as the boys, full of muscle, then, then when they get a, a good S&C program and a gym program when they're older, um, that that can completely change um, can change their game and they just go to another level. So. Um, my bias is probably towards more of a, a good mover a good a good player because I, I feel if you're if you're more coordinated um you're going to pick up the the technique quicker um and you're also going to be able to compete at the the highest level um but because of that i would probably be um less likely to to look at a player who or well, i wouldn't say i wouldn't look at him I, i'd be before I was more aware of of, of my bias and, and my experiences, I would, I'd probably be less likely to to look at a a technical, really really technical player who who um, who probably wouldn't be able to to be as mobile on the pitch. But these days, as long as they've got the, the speed of thought and they they are able to to almost play in the future, I'd, I'd I'd certainly bring them in. But when I first started, I'd I'd sort of dismiss those players and, and sort of say, I oh, will. He, he he might not necessarily um, make it. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think that's 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 really key uh, to be to be aware of of your um, your biases. But that comes with with having um, different people within your organisation, different experiences and, and diversity. I think diversity in your staff is is key because um, you need people. With, with different backgrounds, different skill sets, different ages, different um, experiences in life to, to really bounce ideas off people. If if you're yeah. if, if you're working in an environment where um, everyone's the same, you're not really challenging each other's beliefs, and you're not really growing as a as a person. Um, you're just sort of reaffirming what what you already know. Do you know what I mean? So it's 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 yeah. I think it's important to have diversity and to, and to challenge each other. Um, when I when I started working at, at Fulham, I, I was extremely lucky. I was I, I sat in a coaching office um, with some some top top coaches. Um, there were there were people there that I would always ask questions. What what was it about this player? Why did he make it? Um, what made him so unique? And and the the different sort of stories I heard and I just sat there for for, for a good few years just, just listening and learning as much as possible and then I'd go out and implement that um, with, with my scouting work really.
0: Brilliant and so talk to us a little bit more about how you progressed from an academy scout to the current role you're in now which is I mean a recruitment manager overseeing scouts.
1: Uh, yeah so like I said, obviously I started off um, as a coach within within the uh, the, the development centre program, and then moved up into sort of pre academy and, and sort of assisting with some academy stuff. Um, I was doing my scouting on the side. Um, I was I was putting players in into the development centre, and, and in the first year I was working there, we we had about six or seven signed from my centre. Um, over time, more and more were coming through. I then started to oversee the, the pre-academy recruitment, so it would be the main group and, and the centres around and, and help get those players into the main group. Um, and then just over the years of putting more players through, I, I then progressed into full-time work with Fulham and, and ended up um, overseeing some, some scouts and, and um, being full-time at the club. So, um, yeah, that, that, that was it really. I, I, I spent a long time um out on the grass getting players in um and that success was was rewarded in the in the end with with a full-time job so uh, i'm very grateful for the opportunity um, i feel very blessed to, to be able to go out and, and do the job i think for me the the most important thing about this job is is it's all about the kids it's it's about giving them opportunities to change their lives um, and and to help them fulfil their potential, whether that is as a footballer or getting to the level, getting them to a level where they are the very best they can be, and we're providing them with with other life skills uh, to support them if they if they go into something else. Um, but yeah, that that was it for me, and, and having that that sort of passion to help people has has led me to to be successful, and, and I was always right i've I've got a boy signed when's where's the next one like let's go out and find some of these these boys and and help them because me as a me when i was playing i was i was obsessed with with becoming a player and, and i just wanted to help help other boys um fulfill that fulfill that potential um so yeah i think having that that passion, that hunger, definitely helped me. And and the more players I got signed, the the more um, opportunities and and doorways open for me. And I'm ultimately now I've, I've been at the club for I think eight or nine years. Um, I've been full full time for a while now. So yeah, it's been a it's been a fun journey. Lots of lots of players, lots of lots of uh, lots of friends, uh, new people that I've met. It's uh, yeah, it's very special.
0: It's great to be fair. Excellent and. In your role today, what sort of pressures do you face?
1: Uh yeah, so pressures in, in the role currently, there's there's always the the competition for, for for players. Um these days there's there's not just competition in London from the local London clubs, it's it's obviously national um, at a certain age and, and then the older they get. It's trying to sort of retain them and, and convince them that um what they're doing is and where they are is the right place for their development. Um unfortunately in football there's a there's a lot of uh people that that see young young people and players as as almost an opportunity to to sort of make money from or capitalise and, and and sometimes they can get a lot of bad advice. And I think obviously there will be times when people uh, should move to to fulfil their potential or, or sort of change club or whatever. But um, a lot of the time, if you go too early, it, it can be very difficult for a young person, um, especially when they've got a sort of a stable, um, stable thing going on when they're when they're at such a young age and they're just they're learning who they are as a, a young person as well and they're going through um, sort of their teenage years. So um, certainly, I'd say. So a lot a lot of external factors like that, um competition for players, but also these days I, I feel that the 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 quality of grassroots football is, is certainly getting better and I think it's it's how we we help grassroots football improve even more now. Um I think the the E triple P um, the elite player performance plan that was put in place for for academy players has, has done a great job in in producing uh better academy footballers but i think now how do we how do the premier league um expand on that and, and produce better grassroots footballers as well and, and improve that like yeah they do a, a great job on um the, the coaching courses I, I i certainly think like why not have a a a grassroots tax on on professional transfers where a very tiny percentage goes back to the, yeah. the local community or the fa and it's then divided between local clubs and and um that way you, you could always have games on in the winter where a, lot, a lot of games are cancelled or called off because of poor weather simply because um the clubs don't have a an 11 a side or weather pitch and yeah why can't every football club have a having all weather pitch or facilities to to help them playing all year round. So um, I think that's what we should aim for in the future. And and that will ultimately bring through better players.
0: Yeah, great point, David. Uh, I totally agree with you there. Let me ask you, you're in a position where you recruit not only players, but you recruit scouts to to work underneath you and, and manage them. So I want to ask for and this will be important for scouts listening or aspiring scouts. What qualities do you look for in scouts when recruiting them to the football club you work for?
1: Um, yeah, like like I um, alluded to earlier, I, I think for me one of the, the most important things is having a, a very diverse scouting team. Um, I like to have people of, of different ages um, different backgrounds to, to challenge me and, and to bring different um, Different skills. Um, I think what's really important for for people to understand that if if they want to work in football, it, it, it's very very difficult and and competitive. Um, for me to to get to the the job I'm at now, it, it took a long a long um, a long time of putting in the hours to learn to develop to to sort of improve as a person as as a coach as a as a scout um so it's it's not all glamorous you are putting in the hours in in sort of cold winter months standing um on the side of football pitches looking for players that might not be there so um you have to to have the 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 passion for it first yeah. you have to want to to help young people to to develop and and um improve. You you have to be hard-working um, and you have to be um, friendly and approachable. Uh, you are the very first person that a person will meet before they come to a professional football club so you, you, you have to um, be professional with, with how you uh, approach someone, how you greet someone, how you meet someone for the first time. Um, you have to be friendly because ultimately I'll scout a player. I'll bring them into Fulham Football Club, but I'll know that that player and I'll know that family for potentially the rest of my life. Now you know we, we stay in contact. We develop a friendship. We 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 speak a lot outside of of, of work, and people call me for advice on on, on numerous times to to think to say well, what do you think about this. So. Um, you, you have to be good at, at at developing developing relationships and and being open and honest with people. I, I think they're the most um, important things for for a scout. Um, and again, like like I said, it's hard work and and a good attitude because it's it's a lot of, of hours and it, and it can be lonely. You know, um, people will will be out by themselves for for. For hours at, at grassroots tournaments just, just watching games by themselves uh, before they stop to speak to people because you want to you want to cover every game you make we want to make sure you watch every player um so yeah it's 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 a very rewarding job but it's also very tough and, and it's a long slog if you want to get into it. So uh, they're the sort of things I'd look for.
0: Brilliant. Let me ask you I've got a few different themes, um scouting themes that I want to get your views on. And this is an interesting one. There's been a lot of coverage over South London and the types of players that are produced in South London. Mm. Given your experience of recruiting players from various different areas in London, have you found there's differences based on the areas players are born? Um, Or should I say the areas players are nurtured and grew up in?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say so. I think um, a lot of that has to do with sort of the accessibility of football. Um, some areas have better sort of setups in terms of local clubs and, and uh, leagues and, and access to football. Um, a lot of people can, can just play in their local park or play in a cage, so their, their, their access to, to football is, is is at a lot of a, a younger age than, than others. Um, but in terms of Certain players from different areas. I I, I think it's um, very important to to go into every area to to look for these hidden gems and and untapped talents. There there'll be players in in certain areas where you'd you'd almost never look, and and they could be the the best player um, because they're, they're they're playing with maybe in a church team with with their friends, or do you know what I mean? There's there's yeah. so many. Um, so many kids out there with, with good potential that, that need to be watched and I think um I think although South London has um has some very very talented footballers I think there's enough um hidden gems out there for, for everyone really I think if you just go out there and, and look and and I think for me it's about um improving the quality of, of grassroots football um nationally anyway that that will that will bring bring through better players um and making it more accessible for, for young people.
0: Brilliant. What about nature versus nurture?
1: Yeah so uh this is this is a difficult one because um when I when I started as a coach I, I fully believed that um everything was taught and, and you could really teach and, and develop everything and and the more time you spend uh, working on something, the better you become. However, working in uh, elite football for for s- such a long time, you you do come across some children who just understand the game and play it naturally w- without any real need for coaching. Like that, you. Give them minimal minimal instruction compared to some other kids, where you'd have to show them the pictures um, and and really help them and go, what what could you do next time? Whereas other kids, they'll 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 feel pressure behind them. They'll play it first time pass, or, or do you know what I mean? They're they're just natural and almost like robots on a football pitch. And I think like that is natural, um, but. Again, it's 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 different. Everyone develops at, at different times, and everyone has different football ages and, and different levels of of scope for improvement and potential. So, um, I think there's a there's a there's a nice balance between the two. There are certainly some people that I think, yeah, they're they're naturally gifted. Um, however, I do think that one of the most important things is if you don't have the right attitude um and you don't have a good character and good desire to improve and be the best player um no matter how good you are there will be people who will always overtake you um if they've got that hunger and that desire to that competitive edge over you
0: what about birth bias
1: yeah birth bias um yeah again like at at fulham we're we're pretty good with this to be honest we um we like to have a, a nice mix in our in our age groups sort of different ages and, and different um different um like birth quartiles. Um I do obviously the the data does suggest that when it the, the older you get the more it evens out, but yeah. there's some some data suggesting that it's quite heavy quarter one uh within the the current football pyramid. Um but for me as a scout I I often know this and and so you, you'd think as a football scout you, you'd go out and you'd, you'd watch the the top league and you go to the top team straight away and watch them play but for me I like to go to the leagues below and, and watch those guys first before I go to the, the top teams and you always find that in the young in the lower leagues there's there's a lot of uh, younger birthdays with with sort of the the natural um, Sort of tools and and, and ability to, to 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 play at that level. So, um, yes, it's it's an interesting one because ultimately, if if we get a, a September born birthday um, and he comes into the academy and he's physically well developed compared to other boys, he, he's probably mentally a bit more mature than someone who's, who's an August birthday. Um, straight away, he he is pushed up into the, the age group above so he almost becomes a a um a younger birthday in the age group above anyway so um there there's sort of different ways to look at it but I think as long as you're aware of of where they're at their football age who they are you 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 don't miss out on those players that are potentially lower are younger in the in the year. Um the worst thing you could do is is get twenty players and um end up looking at all twenty and, and all of them are, are September birthdays, but their football age is six years uh higher than someone who's who's an August birthday who's only been been playing a year and he's at the same level as as them but just just a bit off. But actually he's he's had six years less football than the others. So to me he's he's probably more high potential than the others so i think it's it's important to be aware of it it's important as a team of people to to consider it and and when you are uh, choosing players and selecting them you really take that into consideration and account and then it's about putting the the best support in place to to help their their journey and understand that sometimes they might need a little longer because they're not emotionally as mature as, as someone who, who's older and they they can't regulate their emotions because they're they're just not mature enough yet and, and things like that so um yeah me personally I, I i do have a a bit of a preference to a to a younger player um because i think traditionally if you are um sort of smaller and 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 younger you you have to problem solve and um, i think sometimes if you're a, um, an early developer or born earlier in the year, you you, you relied too much on on the success you get, and, and if you don't challenge those players, then all of a sudden they don't start to problem solve. So it, it's, it's how you manage it as a coach and, and as a team of staff, I suppose.
0: Excellent. The next question, and you you you're definitely. May have some bias towards this, given your experience. But what's your thoughts on professional football clubs implementing development centres to support recruitment of players?
1: Um, yeah, that's it's yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because I think development centres are a good thing as long as the um, the parents have um, have honest, open communication with with themselves on like me personally no no child is in a development center of mine unless we feel they have potential to to become an academy player um so as long as you're having these these um honest open conversations with people to, to tell them where they're at in their development and what they need to do because um, some some people, Will be in a development center and and they need six months more of, of football in in terms of like technical training or they need to be exposed to to a higher level of football so they 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 play quicker to to, to get there um i think that that's that's great and, and you, you're putting them into a into a place where number one they've got an opportunity to to succeed um and number two they're they're in an environment that's safe and and there's 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 top level coaches working with them. I think where it becomes a bit bad is if you're just sort of stockpiling players um, and there's no real pathway for them there. Um, at Fulham, ultimately we, we want to have smaller age groups and, and work with players on an individual basis better. Um, so we're very, very on, on point with our succession planning and, and what we're looking for in terms of players. So so ultimately, there, there will be good players that probably could come on, on trial or, or could potentially sign for the football club. However, we, we don't want to to have lots of players in that position and, and less game time for certain individuals. Yes, we might miss out on players long term, but I would much rather that boy go to a club where he's got an opportunity to, to go and play and become a freshman footballer. Um, and I think, again, Honesty and and, and communication is is key with that. So, um, and that's from me to my scouts. That's from us as coaches to parents, etc. So, um, yeah, that's how I feel. What what about yourself? What what do you think?
0: I totally agree with you. I think development centres need to have a progressive approach to them, and it certainly shouldn't be a case of clubs stockpiling players. And there's also the argument to suggest that you know, with the emergence of private academies, those players are being exposed to clubs um with that extra additional, like high level training. Anyway, I know you've, you've had a lot of individuals that have worked in a professional football club that have gone off to set up their own private setups.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, um I think, yeah, they, they can only be a good thing if you're, if you're helping. Young people fulfil their potential. Um, the only the only way it becomes quite dangerous is is if people try to exploit that and and use it as a sort of a a money spinner or, or do you know Yeah, what I mean? um, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. It comes down to there being genuine prospects for the kids. I think if if a kid's invited into a development and as you mentioned, no kid comes into a Fulham. A development program. If there's not genuine potential for them to progress into the academy, and yeah. it's the same. I think the message, whether private or a professional football club, yeah, you got to be open and honest with the parents and say, like, these are the, the prospects of of your child.
1: Mm. Mm. And I think it's it's um, it's important to communicate to, to to people that if if you're if you're investing time in 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 the their child to to get them to that level, you, you've really got to invest time with with the parents and, and tell them the plan. Well, because um, like I said, some there might be a kid who's just started playing football, um, and he he is quite far off someone who's potentially in the academy, but he's not too far off some of the boys in the development centre who. Who uh, have been playing football for a long time? His scope for improvement could be could be massive, and and within a year's time, all of a sudden, he, he's there. Um, I think it, it's very difficult as well with with social media and and people these days. They, a lot of people like to compare, like where they're they're at compared to other people, and, and yeah. say, hey, "Well, why aren't I there now?" or or, or um, do you know what I mean? Like they yeah. you've got to, um, you've got to have some really good awareness of of number one, the the, the journey, the long term, the long term goal, um and and uh, the communication with, with coaches and, and people is is key. Um, and if you don't have that, you're you're never gonna know, are you? So
0: definitely. You know what I'm saying, David, comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> uh, it's a shame that it, it creeps into youth football and I think the message you said uh, earlier or should I say the point you made about children having different footballing ages and everyone developing at different rates it's important parents have that education yeah your child may not be at the level at 11 but long term at 16 they may be at the level so yeah when comparing yourself to someone else who has been signed
1: Absolutely. And and there's certain, like, I, I just look back at, at my own physical, like, journey. My my body didn't fully fill out until I was about 24. Um, so, again, everyone can develop at different times physically. And, and all of a sudden, um, you could go through a growth spurt and you're the best player on the pitch, or you could go through a growth spurt and you become one of the worst players on the pitch. And it's just, it's just understanding, like, what you need to do to to maximize your potential and, and fulfill that and, and really make the most of every opportunity you've got um, and supporting these these people when when they're going through these these different um different sort of journeys in their in their in their sort of football age and career you know
0: definitely David how could the industry be further professionalized
1: yeah, I think at the moment the, the FA are doing a, a good job with the, the the courses that they they've set up um before anyone with a with a good network could just end up um scouting players or bringing them in. But the these days um like me,
0: right <laughs> all all the London clubs give me a job. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no, but um now obviously there's more qualifications and, and more education and training. Um maybe potential university degrees and courses uh, etc and um, but yes yeah, it's, it's certainly a exciting time for the industry and, and football is in general youth development is it's certainly growing and over the years it's got better and better and stronger and stronger so um i think just more education more more talking um maybe more practice with, with sharing ideas with other clubs i know it's uh it's not something you traditionally do because you're you're competing for for players in the same patch, but why why not share this is how we do things. What do you think? Or, but ultimately you want to do something different to the other club um to attract uh, the players and, and develop in different ways. But each club has a different way of doing things and I think that's why that's why every club's unique and, and some players might be really well suited to to one academy and they might be suited to another. Um, So, yeah, they're they're just a few things, I think.
0: Good advice. Also, talking about advice, what advice would you give to aspiring scouts?
1: Um, Work hard, number one. Um, Remember why you're doing it. Uh, Are you doing it for the right reasons? I think i've been successful is because i've never done it to have any sort of ego or be like right i want to be the the world's best football scout or do this and that i, I ultimately have done it to, to help young people um, and i think that that passion for that has really helped me um stay motivated um, and, and to continue to work hard. So I would certainly say work hard um, and be open to everything and, and learn as much as you can. Um, over the years, I've certainly got better at listening as opposed to just talking. Um, and I think that that's really important is just to listen and learn and, and to take in as much information even if you don't agree with with someone's view, I think you've got to, you've got to go away and reflect and think, okay, yeah, I do see that and just because I've got an opinion doesn't mean mine's right and yours is wrong, you know so um I think it's about learning as much as you can and then and then putting your own individual stamp on things.
0: Brilliant that's great advice. David, just before we finish off I, we we normally do a a quick fire quiz. It's um, a triple P quiz based on the three pillars at Lionheart Football, passion, purpose, potential. So the objective for you is to answer the questions in as few words as possible. Ready? Mm -hmm. Why is football scouting your passion? Uh,
1: Why is football scouting my passion? Um, To fulfil potential.
0: What is the purpose of your role?
1: Again, to fulfil potential.
0: It's quite clever, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. How can a player fulfil their potential? <laughs> can't go with it too yeah,
1: i can got to say it, can I? Um, I think through hard work, determination
0: and competitive edge. Excellent. David, before we finish off, you know, going back to your point about being a great football coach, I would, I would like to say on air, there is actually one thing I learned from you. Yeah,
1: Yeah, um, we, we, uh,
0: <laughs> we was at a, a session together um, watching players that were trialling for the academy. Um, this was my t- during my time at Fulham. And I remember us observing a session and you spoke on 1v1 practices Mm. Saying that, you know, a lot of coaches do 1v1 practices where players have got to beat a player and then stop the ball yeah. on a line, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned it not being realistic because if if a player beats someone 1v1, the next action should be end product. So whether it's completing a pass, completing a cross, or getting a shot off. that mm. you mentioned how you feel all 1v1 practices should reflect that. There should be a cross at the end a shot or a pass and i thought yeah this this guy shouldn't be scouting he should be coaching so yeah yeah
1: well hopefully i'll be able to teach you a thing about scouting
0: one day as well <laughs> yeah no brilliant now i really appreciate your time david and i know you like to lay low but there will be aspiring scouts um that are probably inspired by your story and want to connect are you happy for anyone to reach out
1: yeah yeah you can obviously find me on linkedin um Type in my name, David Langridge, um Film Football Club, you'll be able to connect. Really? Um, I'm, I'm happy to to spend time with 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 people who are obviously keen to to get involved and, and yeah, happy to help.
0: Excellent. We'll put your profile in the show notes. David, thanks again for your time, man. That was brilliant.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Cheers.